Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we have got an Open to Hope author today and a good friend, and her article on cleaning out your closet has been one of our major articles on our website. It's really been important, so we are excited because she has written a new book. Oh, there's the new book. Finding Peace, One Piece at a Time. Rachel Kadanas is our guest today, and I, we've known Rachel for many years. She speaks all over the country. She has written a best-selling book, uh, Living with Loss One Day at a Time. She's written another book called Finding Peace, One Piece at a Time. Like I said, she's, she's a very well-known speaker and writer, and at 31, she lost her husband and had to raise a young daughter. So not only is she talking the talk, but she has walked the walk, and she's gonna talk to us today about how to get your life together and your affairs in order and how to sort things one piece at a time after your spouse dies. So welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you, ladies. I'm thrilled to be with you. So our book came in, I opened it up, I left it on my desk. My husband and I share, uh, we both have our own desks in the same office. And um, a, a day later, uh, my husband said, who wrote that book you left on the desk? And I said, well, a good friend of ours, Rachel, one of our authors, and he said, there's a lot of good information in that book. Oh, you warm my heart. Everybody should have that book. I Excellent. thought that was so cool. You know. Well, thanks for leaving it out. <laughs> it is so true because, uh, you know, what to do with things. And, and it was a big question when uh, my son Scott died and Heidi's brother. When is it proper to get rid of things or to sort through things or people are pressuring me to get rid of things and how do I know Rachel give us give me some help well I'm not sure there really is a timeline and that's something that I do stress in the book I didn't have to do anything so I didn't do anything I had you know I didn't have to move I didn't have to try to get my car in the garage I didn't have to look for something I just didn't have to do anything so I didn't and I actually found comfort with my husband's belongings. However, people around me really pushed the heck out of me because they thought, I really do believe this after all the people I talked to, they think you're gonna get over this if you clean out the closets or you organize their personal belongings. You and I and, uh, and your family have been doing this for a really long time, this loss situation. It doesn't go away when you, put the, when you clean out a closet. So once you give them a little pushback and tell them there's nothing to get over and this is why there is really not a timeline, I would imagine, um, and I write this in my book, that usually people start doing it based on a trigger. There's some people that will immediately clean out their closets. They think it's um, just based on talking to them. It's not that it's a cleansing. They just think out of sight, out of mind. I don't feel that way. I think part of the problem is that in families, sometimes some people want to get rid of things and other people don't want to, they want to keep them. And then it causes conflict. I know in my own family, I wanted to keep things. And my brother's friends wanted to take things out of his room. And that caused a lot of anxiety for me because I felt like I didn't get as much as I wanted. 
So isn't that interesting? So I've got, a, I've got a lot of comments on that. One is it's not uncommon for a sibling to feel differently than a parent. Mm -hmm. And to tell you a quick story, I was teaching this class and we were building memorials and the mother wanted to, they lost a son, it was a skateboarding accident. And the mother wanted to repurpose the bedroom because the door had been closed for so long. So she didn't want it to be his room anymore. She wanted to repurpose it into an office. The daughter went crazy. She's like, what are you gonna do with all his stuff? We don't have enough time to tell you how it transpired, but what they got to was that she took, the daughter took things out of the bedroom, such as like the skateboards and those types of things. And she repurposed them into shelves in her bedroom. So what, what their anxiety, the mother daughter anxiety was, the daughter thought that she was the mother was getting rid of the son so to speak but the mother would just needed something for her emotional stability she was just struggling with the door being closed she was struggling going in there but in your case where the where the friends wanted belongings and you weren't ready to give them up it's that's not uncommon either because people want to be able to touch and be with the person and you weren't ready for you to choose what you wanted to keep and they were just, they wanted something. So from an outsider, insider, because insider, because I kind of get it, but being an outsider, you could see how it transpires is that everybody wants a piece of the person that has passed. And how do you divvy that up? You can't divvy it up until the family's ready to divvy it up. I think that I would be, have been okay with my brother's friends taking things if they had waited until I was ready and I could you know, decide what I wanted. It felt very like it was very soon after he died that they came descending into his room and grabbing things. And I felt like, okay, I needed time to figure out what I wanted, what I didn't want, you know, and, and I love in your book how you have people make piles because if I had read this then I would have said, okay, wait a minute, I need to go in his room and make piles, six piles so that I can figure out what actually I want to keep. Right. So just to help the people that are watching the podcast, the, the, I call it the magic of six piles. And while the concept isn't totally new, I think it's how I put it together in the words that I share about the, each, each pile. The first pile is to keep, and I try to stress, especially in my presentations, if you have any children under 22, choose what you think they might want. Because right now their answer would be, well, in your case, you wanted stuff. But in a lot of cases, people don't, they don't know what they want. So they just say, I don't want anything. And until they get out of their apartment, out of school, into a bigger living situation, they say they don't want anything. But I know they do because I've been with enough people. So the first piles keep. The second pile is what you were talking about earlier is, is for people that you're sharing. You're sharing with other people. Those are friends, family members, whoever it is that you might want to share. The third pile is you're going to sell it. It's worthy of maybe a eBay or a Craigslist or to make some money on it, on whatever the items are. The fourth is to donate. And I, in the book, I talk about just a lot more than just Salvation Army or goodwill that how you could donate and make money for a cause the fifth is trash recycle and that is just it just needs to be shredded it's just old water bottles and stuff like that just stuff that's that's truly is trash mm -hmm. and the six which heidi was referring to is the ponder pile and that's i don't know what i want to do with it but i'm not ready to make a decision and mm -hmm. for that you get to hold on to it for as long as you need to hold on to it this sounds very daunting to me. And I know you talk about getting people to help you, right? Mm -hmm. So I talk about putting the team together and I, the word daunting does come up all the time. It's the word that people put on that. 
But when I started to go through it, I didn't use that word. And I'm not sure, maybe because I waited long enough that I wanted to hold and cherish each piece of, of rod. I don't know. For, for some reason, I felt it felt good. Like I said, I took a long time and maybe that's what did it. And I didn't have, it was just my decisions to make. How long so was it, Rachel? I started with his clothes and that wasn't so hard because they were work clothes and I wasn't emotionally attached with it. I would say it probably took me a good six months to even look at that. And then I probably didn't start really getting into it for over a year, but I didn't have to. Right. So, it, you know, I had a two-year-old, but I didn't have to. So therefore I didn't do anything like, you know, some things I got rid of that had meaning, like I didn't need two cars. So I got rid of that and I gave away his bike, but I didn't have to go through it all. But back to your daunting and the team is, the team could be of one, but I prefer it not to be. And I talk about the different members of the team. So I call one person the runner. So when you, when you are ready to say, I don't want that anymore, that they can grab it and go before you change your mind and they can get it to the right pile and to the right place. And, and a good example of that is some of us on the call um, live in winter areas and we collect 20 coats. I know I probably have 20 coats, right? I don't, when somebody passes, you don't need all 20 coats. You might need two coats to have a little bit, you know, put them on to feel a little warm yourself or for whatever reason, but you don't need all the other ones. So a runner or the helper, one of those helpers can say, which of these coats can I donate? Where I live, it's called dependable cleaners. They do a coat drive. We, and then they, when, as soon as you say yes, you could take them, run out the door, get them where they need to go because it just starts the process. And once you start going, um, it, it just finds its way. But the other team members is somebody that I say that should take care of the team. Make sure that we're not working too long in one day, that you're eating, that you're getting outside and feeling the sunshine. And then I also talk about, uh, you know, another team member that has the ability to make phone calls and figure out where to donate some things. Wow. Really, really nice spots and getting support and uh, th that peer support and community and we know is so important. Heidi, talk a little bit about the teddy bears and about how many years it had been when we had some stuff. Yes, I love this because my parents kept some of my brother's, he was, he was, a big athlete, he varsityed in three sports and he was a big New York Jets fan. And he died at 17 and he used to always wear this New York Jets sweater. So 30, over 30 years after he died, my mother gave me and my sisters bears for Christmas and it was his clothing. So I got the New York Jets bear and when I opened it, I was so overwhelmed with emotion, but it was tears of joy basically. Because when I saw this bear, it reminded me of him. It's you know, awesome. It and they, people have taken that a step further with the Build-A-Bear and they're actually putting the chips. One of the hardest things for people to get rid of or to, to, to part ways with is a cell phone. And it's because of the voice message on it. So oh, some yeah. people will record that voice message and put it inside like a teddy bear that, yeah. you know, or what it, maybe the last voice message you heard, you could put it on it like an MP, a chip. And then you just put it inside the teddy bear and you can push it just like you, oh you know, just gosh. like some of these cards, you know, like the cards that open yeah. up or any or other things. That's a, that's a really cool idea because um, I, I have known so many people who leave the voice message on. There's and they, they don't want to get rid of it. And it's, it, you know, I'm not sure it's great to have, say, this is Will and George's house five years later, you know, uh, but if they felt like they could have it somewhere. There's so many ways of recording it now. I mean, there's just lots of ways, but to take what you're saying, even, even a step further, people save their, you know, pay for 
the cell phone, which is, you know, for some people is a hundred bucks a month for yeah. months and years and years, just so they could keep calling. So it's another way of doing, there's lots of ideas out there of, um, of just how you can stay connected. My two pieces of the book that I try to emphasize and in my presentations, the whole possessions, we all have possessions. We all have things that have different meanings to different people. But in my case, I look at the possessions as a way of staying connected to the person that has passed or even legacy, you know, your family members. So I guess they passed as well. The second piece is not only being connected, but the second piece is keeping all the items that tell the story. You don't need a hundred t-shirts. You need 25 t-shirts. Whatever you want to do is you just want to be able to tell their story. And in the case of Heidi of your brother, the story is that he was an athlete. The story was that he had pro teams that he liked. There's a story there. And yeah. that's what I suggest is to keep telling the story. Okay. Well, now, what do you do if things were given away too fast? We can't change history, right? We can't change what happened. We only could, we only could take what happened and make it so that we can live with ourselves, right? So I've got to go there based on what you've said. So in the book, I talk about how uh, the whole notion of a possession that we don't necessarily have to keep them all. And this isn't going to answer directly answer your question, but we're going to get there is that my possession of my first car made me feel like I had freedom, right? It got me from where I wanted to go. It gave me joy. I don't have that first car, but I have all the memories of that feeling that I had. And it's the same thing that I talk about as with cooking and smells and things mm -hmm. that we can't tangent, we can't see with our own eyes right now, unless it's in a picture. Those smells of your grandmother cooking, you don't have you can't be with your grandmother anymore if she's passed, but when you smell the perfume or you smell the type of meals or you, you get that feeling back. So my suggestion is to people that have given it away too fast, is there a way that you can rebuild or build the memories that you had of that person, even let it be short, if it was short, is there a way of rebuilding it through not necessarily their physical possessions, but what you see and what you felt from the possessions. Mm -hmm. I hope that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you have to tell the story. And that's why I emphasize that is that the story may not be of a physical, the story might be the writing of a story and you can describe what that physical possession was. Oh, I love that, particularly with writing, because I know we found that it's so important for people to journal and write and that kind of thing. And even the idea of gratitude, Heidi, grateful that my grandmother um, taught me how to read tea leaves, <laughs> which she did. <laughs> but if you tell her story, that's something she yeah. gave you, right. which is and like, I it, write that down. And, and I'm there reading, she's there with her green tea telling me what the tea leaves say. There was a woman that I worked with that she didn't have as many physical items. And when we were talking, she said to me, my mother had all these phrases. So I said, why don't you capture them? Because we don't remember those down the road. As much as we say we want to and we think that we want to or we can, we can't. You just can't. And she put together this list that was outrageous. It was so fantastic. One of them was hurry up so we could get back. How many times do we say that, right? <laughs> but when she made this list of the things that her mother used to say, she felt like she was right there with her, even though she didn't have the physical items to be with her. 
it's really how we spin the story, right? It's how right. we, and that's where the title of both my books, Living with Loss One Day at a Time, there's nothing to get over. It's just how do you live with the loss? Day? I mean, you guys have been doing this for a long time. Not only have you been doing it yourself personally, but you share your story over and over again to help others and help them to open up. And the same with this new book, Finding Peace One Piece at a Time, the same concept. There's nothing there's nothing to do right away. Well, some people have to box it right away, but there's not, it's really about, you have to find the peace with the items and we will, we have no choice. Yeah. Oh, Rachel, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're just great. And, oh, and what you. great ideas and enthusiasm you have for life. I love it. Oh, thank you. I love being with you ladies. This is a wonderful book and it's so important. And I love what you said in here where you said, Heidi, keep the pieces that tell your story. So that's what it's all about. So thank you so much. Please, everybody, go out and get this fabulous book. And Rachel, give us your website where we can find you. Okay, it's rachelkadanas.com. I'm going to spell it real quick. R-A-C-H-E-L-K-O-D-A-N-A-Z.com. Thank you again for being on the show. We love you. Thank you. You too. Thanks, Rachel. And thanks for watching the show and listening today. And Heidi and I, and I'm sure Rachel, want to remind you all that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.